Tonight is kind of an odd topic. I'm calling it joy versus fun. (laughs) And they're not necessarily opposites. But um, joy, according to Buddhism, is part of our innate nature. It's, It's ultimately a quality of the Buddha nature itself. So you could say in our deepest self, there's joy. And, and certainly the more that we're, even in, every, in the everyday sense, aligned with authenticity, living, living from a deeper place in ourself, a lot of life is joyful. The word fun is just an odd word because it, it's, it's ultimately a very imprecise word. It's a word that can mean so many different things. Um, you know, the, the person who's very centered and authentic going through the world and, and having, you know, rich, rewarding conversations, they're having fun, you know. Fun can also be in this very petty place, you know, ha ha, I topped you, you know, like, like that kind of thing, you know. You should hear how I topped that person, you know. Like people call that fun sometimes. Um, I mean, even, even criminals can have fun, you know. Oh, boy, we got away with that, you know. Like, there's just so many different qualities and states of fun, um, and, and it has very little to do with whether, whether I'm being authentic or not, whether it's something aligned with my personal growth or not, you know. So it's interesting, and it, it actually raises the, the interesting question, when, when are the times that we're having fun that we're very much aligned with our authenticity. And when are the times that we're having fun that the fun is more an escape, a distraction, something that leads away from presence, you know? And so it's, a, it's an interesting meditation. You know, we don't, it's not often that we, we think about our fun, you know? Uh, but what, you know, what is the quality of our, when we're having fun? you know, and what are the, the occasions? And of course, it gets even deeper and more complicated when we consider the question of addiction, you know, and, you know, probably, you know, none of us are just addicted to, you know, street drugs or something like that, but it's a question, you know, what, what emotions are we addicted to? What habitual patterns, what thought patterns are we addicted to, you know? And, and is there a way that, you know, we think it's, it's fun in a way, even though we're riding that cycle over and over again, you know? And so all interesting questions about, about fun. Now, I'll, I'll say that, you know, certainly coming to this Sangha, there are moments, especially in the discussion, when when sometimes we get playful and there is some fun here, you know, which is wonderful. Um, But none of us come to the Sangha for the purpose of having fun. And I think that's emblematic in, in many ways, you know, in a friendship, in a relationship, in a job, you know, if, if it's something healthy, there's going to be fun that's part of it. But it's not that fun is the, the main purpose. You know, you might say that fun is, is a side dish, but not the main dish. Um, 
you know, and if somebody said, you know, I want to begin a friendship or I want to begin a romantic relationship and I'm just interested in fun, I mean, that would that would strike us as a bit immature. It would strike us as, as ultimately a bit callous, you know. In other words, I only care what I enjoy about, not what the other person cares about, you know, that kind of thing. Now, at the same time, there are occasions when it, I think it's perfectly appropriate for fun to be, as it were, the main course, you know, when we're, when we're on leisure time and want to introduce the word play. Uh, play is an authentic need of human beings. In fact, play is a need that, it's an evolutionary need. It goes back well before our own species, well before even the early primates. It goes way back into mammalian evolution, tens, you know, several tens of millions of years old. So um, this need for play is very old. Um, and a healthy life involves play. And there, you know, whatever other pursuits we have in life, there should be time in every day when we have some kind of play, some kind of humor, some kind of enjoyment. Um, Now, I'll say that it, when I was researching quotes for this, I, I wasn't anticipating this when I researched the quotes, but I, I found a number of quotes that were of the ilk, the point of life is to have fun. There are a lot of entertainers who said things like this. The point of life is to have fun. And the, the quote kind of left me divided and kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Because on the one hand, I agree with the sentiment. There's a sentiment there. There, It's undeniable there are a lot of people in the world who live joyless lives. It, it's actually very tragic how many people live lives that are completely devoid of joy. And, and I think it's an important message for these folks to get that you don't have to live that way. That fun is an important part of life. That playfulness is an important part of life. You know, it's, it's absolutely essential that folks get that message. So in that sense, I'm sort of on the same page as the quote. But what I don't like about the quote, well, I'll say it this way. If we think about the word, go back to the word play, but now think in the context of a professional athlete or a professional musician. And those people are giving their best performance when they're in a place of joy, when they're truly playing, you know, but to get to that place takes tremendous practice and tremendous discipline, whether for the, the athlete or the musician. Um, and in many ways, that's in a kind of reflection of the Buddha Dharma itself, you know? I mean, Buddhism says, you know, joy is our nature, but it's not like we can just, you know, flip a switch and instantly tap into the joy. It's a product of discipline, and in fact... Buddhism is very clear that there's this uh, profound connection between how disciplined we are and how happy we are. Um, ultimately, the joy, the, the joy that is um, part of the Buddha Dharma, I would say it is, I describe it as a joy of tremendous capacity. Ultimately, a joy that can that can experience the whole world 
and still remain connected to joy. And what I mean by that is there's a, a researcher, Paul Ekman, who is a, he's an expert at the facial display of human emotions. That's his, his field of expertise. And he was on a, a team of psychologists who were invited to meet with the Dalai Lama. And they were discussing research possibilities, you know, what, what insights from Tibet Buddhism could inform, you know, psychological research, this sort of thing. So they were talking with the Dalai Lama, but, but part of the time, you know, the, every day the Dalai Lama receives pilgrims. You know, he's in Dharmasala, and, and many times these pilgrims have had harrowing journeys across the Himalayas to get, to get out of China, to get into Dharmasala. And so Paul Ekman was just watching him, and, you know, people would be talking about these horrible things that they happen, and our grandfather died, and our youngest son died, and blah, 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 and, and there's just misery that in their faces, and the Dalai Lama would be completely mirroring. He would be totally there with them, completely mirroring all their misery, all their grief, all their pain, and his face would show it. But then, of course, he was done meeting with pilgrims, and he was back to smiling again, you know? And so, just that, that ability, such a deep joy that it can hold all things. That, that, I would say, is the joy of the Buddha Dharma. That would be a lot of fun to be there. So, um, at this point, I'll share the quote sheet. Um, I didn't copy it, so I have to... Let's see. Copy the link. Okay. So I shared the quote sheet with the Zoomies. And the folks in the room... quote is from one of my favorite thinkers, a, a pre-Socratic philosopher by the name of Heraclitus. And he said, we are most nearly ourselves when we achieve the seriousness of the child in play. Philo, a writer who lived around the time of Caesar Augustus, said, the face of the wise man is not somber or austere, contracted by anxiety and sorrow, but precisely the opposite, radiant and serene, filled with a vast delight, which often makes him the most playful of men. From the Zen master Hakuin, a, a pillar in Rinzai Zen, we say that someone has the wondrous ability to play the zither or the lute, but if we ask where that art resides, not even the wisest man can answer. That art, produced by something we cannot fully know, is like the innate nature of the mind that operates in our daily lives. 
sort of a, a fascinating analogy he draws. We have a quote from Walt Whitman. You kind of knew that Papa Walt would make it onto this quote sheet. Whatever satisfies the soul is truth. From Emily Dickinson, find ecstasy in life. The mere sense of living is joy enough. George Bernard Shaw says, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. André Gide said, know that joy is rarer, more difficult, and more beautiful than sadness. Once you make this all-important discovery, you must embrace joy as a moral obligation. One of them is a, a short story. After a concert, a fan rushed up to the famed violinist Fritz Kreisler and gushed, I'd give my whole life to play as beautifully as you do. And Chrysler said, I did. Taylor de Chardin said, Joy is the most ineffable sign of the presence of God. A poignant one from Amelia Earhart, she said, Flying might not be all, all smooth sailing, plain sailing, but the fun of it is worth the price. And it's, it's uh, really chilling knowing the price that she paid. Noel Coward said, work is much more fun than fun. John Cage, the composer, said, this play is an affirmation of life, not an attempt to bring order out of chaos, nor to suggest an improvement in creation, but simply a way of waking up to the very life we're living. Presumably he's talking primarily about his music there. Dizzy Gillespie said, it's taken all my life to learn what not to play. That's a wonderful quote, and it, it really kind of a, a wonderful quote also, you know, what games have we learned not to play, you know? Charlotte Joko Beck said, body tension will always be present if our good feeling is just ordinary self-centered happiness. Joy has no tension in it because joy accepts whatever is as it is. From William Arthur Ward, the person who risks nothing, has nothing, does nothing, has nothing, and is nothing. He may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he cannot learn, feel, change, grow, live, or love. Chained by his certitudes or his addictions, he is a slave. He has forfeited his greatest gift, and that is his individual freedom. Only the person who risks is free. From the great psychologist Buscaglia, it is paradoxical that many educators and parents still differentiate between a time for learning and a time for play without seeing the vital connection between them. A couple from the poet Gary Snyder he said, practically speaking, a life that is vowed to simplicity, appropriate boldness, good humor, gratitude, unstinting work and play, and lots of walking brings us closer to the actual existing world and its wholeness. He also said the real act of play is in the act of totally going off the trail. <laughs> Jack Cornfield said, the aim of spiritual life is to awaken a joyful freedom, a benevolent and compassionate heart, in spite of everything. Deepak Chopra said, according to the Vedanta, 
There are only two symptoms of enlightenment, just two indications that a transformation is taking place within you toward a higher consciousness. The first is that you stop worrying. Things don't bother you anymore. You become lighthearted and full of joy. The second symptom is that you encounter more and more meaningful coincidences in your life, more and more synchronicities, and this accelerates to the point where you actually experience the miraculous. Mark Nepo said, There is a great choice that awaits us every day, whether we go around carving holes in others because we have been so painfully carved ourselves, or whether we let spirit play its song through our tender experience, enabling us to listen as well to the miraculous music coming through others. Stevie Vaughan said, when I play from my mind, I get in trouble. That's a great one, again, in many different disciplines. Uh, Dochan Palap Rinpoche said, your mind is beautifully clear, open, spacious, and full of excellent qualities, unconditional love, compassion, and wisdom that sees things as they truly are. In other words, your awakened mind is always a good mind. It's never dull or confused. It's never distressed by doubts, fears, and emotions that so often torture us. Instead, your true mind is a mind of joy, free from all suffering. This is who you really are. This is the true nature of your mind and the mind of everyone. But your mind doesn't just want to sit there being perfect, doing nothing. It's at play all the time, creating your world. And finally, Etta Sawyer says, Enjoy today. It is one of the good old days you will miss in the future.